the author Elizabeth Stone, tech pioneer Steve Jobs, and my mother are all quoted as saying, having a child is like choosing to let your heart walk outside of your body for the rest of your life. It seems that the Blessed Mary knew this reality all too well. It began on the night of Jesus' birth, as shepherds came rushing into the cattle stall where the Holy Family was attempting to rest, bursting with the good news that they had received from angels in the field with trumpets and song. Forty days later, Mary took the baby Jesus to the temple for her ritual purification and to dedicate her firstborn son to the Lord. When a man whom she had never met took the baby into his arms and declared him to be the salvation of all people, a light to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. Even as he promised to Mary that a sword would pierce her own soul too. Not long after that, three wise men, magicians and priests from the east, came to see the child with gifts of gold suitable for a king and frankincense and myrrh, symbols of death. Meanwhile, her husband Joseph had had a dream in which he was told to flee his homeland and take his family to Egypt to protect them. After a while, bouncing around the Egyptian countryside and almost as quickly as they were told to leave, Mary, Joseph, and the young Jesus were commanded back to Israel. They packed everything up but weren't able to return to their hometown in Judea and had to set up a new life in Nazareth in order to protect their son from the powers that be who feared him and wanted him out of their lives. When he stayed behind, later on at age 12, Jesus scared his mother to death when he stayed behind in the temple as the caravan of family left for Nazareth. By the time we get to today's gospel lesson, Mary has already experienced a lifetime of worry for her son, a son she knew would be special from even before he was conceived. This morning we encounter a 30-year-old Jesus who has been quite busy collecting disciples, preaching, teaching, healing, and casting out demons. Our lesson today is the story of Jesus' first trip back home. And between the crowd that was following, all, following him all around the Galilean countryside and the crowd of interested locals, so many people had gathered around Jesus that he couldn't even lift his arms to shovel some hummus into his face. They were pressing so intensely upon him that his mother Mary began to fear for his life. Our translation, the New Revised Standard Version, says that his family went out to restrain him for people were saying he has gone out of his mind, but quite frankly, that's a terrible translation. What the Greek actually connotes is that his family came to grab him and they told the crowds he's lost his mind. His family said that he was crazy, but I'm not sure they actually believed it. Can't help but wonder if Mary saw all that was happening to her boy and ran out to do whatever she could to save him. Because there's no question in the text about what the scribes were up to. 
They had no intention of protecting Jesus from the masses. Instead, they were so dead set on stirring the crowd up into a frenzy. When you have truth on your side, you pound on the facts. When you don't, you pound on the table and call people names. The scribes didn't ease their way into name-calling either. They went straight for the jugular by calling Jesus Satan. He's Beelzebul. He's able to cast out demons because he is the chief among them. These are not words of someone who came to engage in polite discourse. It is clear that what the scribes were hoping for was that someone or some mob of someones would rid them of this meddling rabbi. But Jesus knew that his time had not come yet and would have none of it. At its core, Jesus rejects the premise of the scribes. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. How can Satan cast out Satan? It just doesn't work. And so by way of a parable, Jesus shows that he believes the powers of evil are strong, but that he sees himself as the one sent by God to defeat Satan once and for all. The Father sent his only begotten Son to tie up the powerful forces of Satan and to plunder the houses of evil in empire, in business, in religion, and in family. Jesus is clear that the fight that had already begun between him and the forces of evil, a fight that started when he was born, will continue. But he already knows that he will win. And in so doing, he will redeem almost all people back into right relationship with God. Almost all people. And here's where things get particularly tricky. This unforgivable sin business. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime I hear this warning from Jesus, I find myself checking my receipts. Have I ever blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? There was that one time in seminary when we were having like a touchy-feely time at a class retreat where I said out loud, sometimes I hate the Holy Spirit because I get called to do things that are really uncomfortable. Is that unforgivable? I really hope it isn't. And I wonder, is Jesus in this moment talking to his family and the scribes alike in the cryptic message? Jesus warns the, and I think this is the case. I think the eternal sin that Jesus warns the crowd about is assuming you are right. The sin of an intractable spirit. The sin of arrogance. The scribes, like so many before and after who come from positions of power and privilege, simply assume that they are right and Jesus is wrong. There is no willingness to listen, grow, or learn. They've been invited to receive the Holy Spirit as their advocate who will guide them to God, and they have said, we don't need the help. Thank you very much. 
There's no saving those who don't believe they need to be saved. Or as Jesus says elsewhere, it's easier to get the camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich, powerful, privileged, arrogant person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who approach the kingdom of God with humility, who embrace the invitation to follow and learn from Jesus, no matter what blasphemies or sins they might stumble into, can find forgiveness when they seek it. Jesus' family might not fully understand what he is up to, and they might let worry overcome them from time to time, but they are not beyond redemption, and neither are you, and neither am I. All who are willing to lay down their pride and be challenged by following Jesus can have access to the kingdom of God and are invited from time to time to plunder the houses of evil. Which is why this morning we pray in our collect for the day that the God from whom all good proceeds might grant us an open spirit to think those things that are right and the Holy Spirit to actually do them. It isn't always easy to know what is right, but with a spirit of humility and a willingness to follow the leading of the Spirit, we can avoid becoming so sure of ourselves that there is no longer room for God in our own little kingdoms. When we are willing to follow the Spirit and to allow the Spirit to help us and think those and do those things that are right, we are more fully able to follow the will of God and, as Jesus himself promised, have entrance into the family of Christ. Let God's heart in creation, God chose to let God's heart walk the earth for all of eternity. As children of God and members of the family of Christ, we are God's heart in the world. We must be careful not to let our hearts become hardened, but rather to be open, to be open to the ways in which God's love for the whole world will be poured out through us. Amen.